Welcome to the Teacher's Lounge. Well, I guess this is the second episode, so I can officially say welcome back to the Teacher's Lounge. We're a new podcast from WNIJ telling the stories of education in Illinois with the help of the stories from Illinois educators. Every episode, we feature a few longer stories that we can really sink our teeth into. Then we have a little brief news roundup just to catch you up on some things that you might have missed that happened in education. And then we end the show with a conversation we had with a local educator who is suggested by you. This week, I talked to Cora Vasur. She works with teenagers and young adult students with autism. She also happens to be a comedy writer, and on top of all of that, she moonlights as a folk music singer-songwriter. We talked about how all of that happened and how her art influences her work with special needs students and vice versa. When they introduced me to them, one of the first things they told me was they were comforted by singing, which terrified me because at the time I didn't consider myself a singer. Now, I hope you didn't think that I wasn't just going to tease that Cora is a singer-songwriter and not play some of her music, so we are also going to do that later. Buckle up, because both of the stories you're about to hear are about one thing, student loans and debt. More specifically, about debt forgiveness. Because student loan debt has really become one of our national conversations lately. And it's been one of the key issues in the first few rounds of the Democratic presidential debates. So I sat down with Kishwaukee accounting and economics professor Everett Westmeyer about some of our burning questions surrounding the topic heading into election season. And don't worry, later on I promise we will chase this money talk with comedy and music. Don't worry, but first... Over 44 million Americans have student loans, and collectively, they owe around $1.5 trillion. Many of the Democratic candidates for president have begun to float their plans to forgive some student loans or to eliminate them entirely. Up to $50,000 in debt would be wiped out for students with household incomes lower than $100,000 under Senator Elizabeth Warren's plan. And Senator Bernie Sanders has been outspoken since the last election about his position on free public college. Everett Westmeyer teaches accounting and economics at Kishwaukee College. For him, the devil is in the details. How would this really work? For instance, private loans. U.S. students currently owe over $100 billion in private loans, a number that has increased 20% in the last five years. With the federal loans, the money is already gone. But with the private loans, someone would have to write a check to those private entities, presumably financial companies. So you're going to have to write a check to Discover. Discover is under no obligation to write that off. Elizabeth Warren says that private loans would be eligible to be eliminated, but first you'd have to refinance your loans to make them federal. And then Westmeyer, ever the accountant, turns his attention to taxes. Debt forgiveness is taxable by the IRS. You pay taxes on it like you would your income. But some plans, Warren's included, say you shouldn't have to do that. But that doesn't really make sense to Westmeyer. Bernie Sanders would parlay debt forgiveness into his free public college plan. And Westmeyer is quick to remind you how free, quote-unquote, free college could really be. That's wonderful. Free education is a wonderful thing. But the reality is, it's not free. Someone has to pay for the building. Someone has to pay for the utilities. Someone has to pay for the maintenance. Someone has to pay for the salaries of the professors, the professional staff, the administration. Who pays for that? The taxpayers pay for that. 
It's estimated that Sanders' plan would cost at least $2.2 trillion over 10 years. He claims it could be paid for by another of his proposed taxes, this one on Wall Street. The price of college and how it's funded has changed a lot, even since many of those taxpayers were going through college themselves. And in the next part, we'll talk more about that and about what canceling student debt would do for the economy. Now, for that quick news roundup I mentioned. An investigation from ProPublica found that some Illinois parents gave up custody of their children so they could receive more college financial aid. And thousands of college students across the country charged with possession of small amounts of marijuana have lost their federal financial aid. And a new plan introduced by Northern Illinois Representative Bill Foster looks to change that. It's called the Second Chance for Students Act, and it would allow those students to retain their federal financial aid eligibility for six months, and within that time, they would be required to complete a drug rehab program. Governor J.B. Pritzker signed a law making Illinois the fourth state to require state schools to include the contributions and impacts of LGBT people in American history courses. And with another signature, Governor J.B. Pritzker officially eliminated the teacher basic skills test that we talked about in the first episode of this very show. Now it's time for the second part of our conversation with Everett Westmeyer about how we got to this point and what would happen if student debt was actually canceled. Everett Westmeyer was a student at the University of Illinois in the mid-70s. He studied accounting. The state provided over 60% of our support. My tuition was $500 a year, right A lot of money at the time, but not a lot of money compared to what's going on today. He's seen firsthand tuition prices at schools across the country skyrocket. But in the conversation around free college and debt forgiveness, he thinks the role of the individual states has flown under the radar. The states have to be in on it too. It's not just the feds providing free education. The states also have to step up because the states, as far as higher education, have really dialed back, especially in recent years. Only about a quarter of the University of Illinois system's budget in the 2019 fiscal year came from the state. And although Illinois has started reinvesting in education over the last year, higher ed funding is still a long way away from its peak in 2002. So with the amount of debt people are in and how expensive college has become, is canceling student debt just the right thing to do? And then if so, whose debt? Once once you start dividing up and say, okay, we'll, we'll forgive yours, but we won't forgive yours, then you open up another can of worms. What about parents who take out Parent PLUS loans on behalf of their kids' education? Since the turn of the century, the number of parents on the hook for big student loans, loans of more than $50,000, has grown to 10% of the loans of that size. Do those parents' debts get erased? Well, For up to that $50,000 figure, Elizabeth Warren once again says yes. And say Elizabeth Warren does get elected president and gets her student debt plan passed. What happens to the economy then, besides all those taxes we touched on earlier? So these students can start buying homes. Marriage and family formation. This is an interesting one. I saw this in a couple different places. The growth of small business. Those seem like generally positive things, right? Well, he just hasn't gotten to the negative stuff yet. I'm looking at budget deficits. One ratio they mentioned here is deficit to GDP. But even if someone like Elizabeth Warren was elected, he doesn't think this sort of widespread student debt and relief would pass right away. But they want the conversation. They want the conversation started. They want the conversation to continue, right, in the hopes that this grows and whatever they end up with helps students. 
So we've talked a lot about student loans and what could possibly happen. And we've heard presidential candidates talk about their ideas. But what about your local Illinois lawmakers? What do they think? Well, U.S. Representatives Lauren Underwood and Bill Foster, who we heard from earlier, recently hosted a panel to hear concerns about the debt crisis. Near the beginning of the event at Wabansi Community College, Representative Bill Foster got up and recited the stats. 44 million students with debt over $1.5 trillion. He was joined by Representative Lauren Underwood, who also talked about how confusing the financial aid process can be and criticized a lax in student lending regulations. Too many young people graduating college today are finding themselves in a job market where wages haven't kept up with inflation and cost of living, where decent health insurance isn't a given, and where job security is never guaranteed. Neither Congress members support broad loan elimination or so-called free college proposals. But Foster says he thinks student loan interest rates should be lowered and that forgiveness plans for public service employees should be expanded. All right, now it's time for my conversation with Cora Vasur. I went to school um, at NIU, and I was an English major. And I knew I always wanted to write. So out of college, I did screenwriting and I was getting read, and I got optioned, but I wanted to be funnier, so I went to Second City in Chicago and went through their comedy writing program. And in the comedy writing program, you learn how to write songs, because that can change the energy of a show or help you talk about controversial subjects. And I fell in love with writing lyrics. So you hadn't written full lyrics in music before comedy? Correct. Really? Yes. <laughs> That's definitely an interesting route to get there. Yeah, I didn't see it coming, but I fell in love with it. After comedy, I got into freelance writing. I got to cover a lot of shows. Um, I had this great portfolio, but um, because of the recession, I wasn't getting paid. <laughs> and because it was a lot of online. And my mom was in special ed as a parapro and a teacher and also a speech and language, a speech pathologist. So I grew up with a lot of awareness and... I heard about um, a parapro position opening at the school, and I applied. And kind of the rest of its history, they serve um, ages 5 to 22, and I work in the adult prep program, so the students I work with are from 17 to 22, uh, which I love because it's um, kind of like the last, like helping them get ready for the next chapter in their life. I wanted to kind of transition a little bit to talk to you about your music. Well, I got into singing and really music because of the job and because of my first student. Because when they introduced me to them, one of the first things they told me was they were comforted by singing, which terrified me because at the time I didn't consider myself a singer. But to help them, I became a remix of Mary Had a Little Lamb, Row, Row, Row Your Boat, Old MacDonald's and other kids' classics. Like, I don't want to name drop, but I just want people to know what type of classic material. It's a nice humble brag, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not a morning person. They weren't a morning person, so we were a great match. <laughs> and, um, that would help change their mood. Like, oh, we're going to sing now. And it, it got me over a lot of my initial fears of um, being heard. <laughs> um, because we'd sing everywhere. We'd sing in the community, so I have sung in Target. <laughs> and um, like when we visited Pumpkin Fest, so serenaded the pumpkins. And so how long did it take, were you singing with this person before you realized that this was something that you wanted to do in other arenas? A good arenas? year, a good year, because I started getting compliments on my voice, which was something foreign for me. 
yeah, so I started building, um, learning how to write the song. And I first found a voice teacher on YouTube. I had the lyric background from Second City and um, all the freelance experience just watching a wide variety of music. There was one thing where I was checking out your website, and it <laughs> says that your work could be described as a girl's night out with Casey Musgraves and Alison Krauss. And I'll be honest, you had me at Casey Musgraves. Yeah, I still relate to Casey a yeah. lot um, because she uses traditional country form to talk about very contemporary issues. I like the topics she talks about. Like, it's okay to be happy and sad at the same time. Um, that's something uh, we work on with a lot of our students and also just everyone in their daily lives. Like, like it is okay to get upset. It's what we do once we're upset. Or it's okay to feel sad. You just need to let people know. And since you've been playing music, do you have time to play live often? I try and play live at least once a week. Play out once a week, whether they're open mics or larger concerts. I also have a YouTube channel where I'm posting two videos a week. You know, it's kind of bring this all together. I'm curious if at this point it's a conscious thing for you to incorporate some of your artistic skills and whether it be music or comedy when you're doing your work with kids with special needs. Absolutely. Um, I think all of us know the healing power of music. Like, no matter how you're feeling, there's a song for that and has helped. Something that really helped um, my first student, how putting... Um, instructions to favorite songs can help cut through the din and reduce processing time. It just helps. So I put like, it is time to wipe the table. I know you don't want to. That's okay. It is time to wipe the table. Then we can play. And eventually that did like start cutting through. Right. There's something like inherently accessible about that. Right. I already know what she's saying in a way because I know this song. Just like I promised here is a part of one of Cora's original songs, Killing It. That was Cora Vasseur with Killin' It. 
All right, that was our show this week. But before we get out of here, just want to remind you, send us an email at teacherslounge at niu.edu. To be a part of the show, send in all of your suggestions for things that you think that we should be covering on this show, as well as your nominations for people who should be on this show. Nominate someone just like Cora was nominated. Or if you are that educator, you are that teacher who should be showcased on this very program, don't be shy. Send in yourself. We would love to have you on here. Thanks again to Cora Vasseur for being on this week's show. Of course, we want to thank the Rockford area band Kind Ofs for providing the rest of the music that you heard throughout this whole episode. Kind Ofs is spelled K-I-N-D-O-V-E-S. You can find more of their music on their SoundCloud page, and they also had an appearance on WNIJ's own Sessions from Studio A. More thanks to Spencer Tripp for making the logo. We'll be back in two weeks, but until then, I've been your host, Peter Medlin. Have a great week. 